You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right. Well, if you have your Bible today, turn open to the book of James, please. The book of James. And uh, the Lord just laid this message on my heart. I believe it was, I can't remember if it was Thursday or Friday, honestly. You know, I've been preaching through the book of Romans. and uh, But as we go through the Bible, there's just been so many different verses and passages. Uh, there's never a shortage of things to preach, that's for sure. But a lot of times what it is, is just trying to get the mind of God on what He would have me to preach. And this is the direction I feel like the Lord took me in uh, this uh, morning. So if you have your Bibles there in the book of James, I just want to begin by reading just a few short verses. And before I do, I want to ask a question that's proposed in these verses, and that is this. What is your life? What is your life? You know, when we think about life, we, uh, I don't know, we... Uh, I think sometimes take for granted the gift of life. And as we're going to see in this passage this morning, sometimes we can have uh, some assumptions that we make about life, especially the longevity of life. I, I heard a story just this weekend about two preachers and uh, one preacher knew of a man that was in the area where another one pastored and he was an elderly man. These were two younger preachers. They were still in Bible college. And the, uh, the one said, there's an, el- there's, a, there's an older man that's in your area. He's sick. He could die any day. And he asked that other preacher, would you go visit him? Try to share the gospel with him. Try to lead him to Christ. And, uh, and the, the, the cool part of the story is, is that preacher went and he led that man to Christ that was sick. Uh, you know, they thought he may die any day. Well, that man who was sick and may die, they thought would die any day, ended up living for many years after that. But the preacher that said he could die any day died within just a couple of days of asking his friend to go visit the older gentleman, the older sick gentleman that could die any day. Day. So there's nothing that boosts the spirits like talking about death and life ending. And so, um, so with that in mind, so you could go to junior church, you could stay out here and we could really have fun. Amen. Uh, talking about death. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about the brevity of life. But let's look at these verses this morning in James chapter number four. And I want to begin reading in verse number uh, 13, just to try to get the full context here. The Bible says, In James 4, verse 13, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go up into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? You know what it is? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And we'll stop reading right there. And I want to uh, go to Luke 12. And you're welcome to turn there, but I'm just going to read these verses to you. Luke 12, verses 16 through 20. This man sounds a lot like the description of of verse number 13. Luke 12, 16, the Bible says, that Jesus spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. 
And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Uh, and so with that in mind, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, please help us as we do stand to preach your word today. God, help each of us, dear God, to consider the brevity of life. Help us, dear, dear, dear Lord, to make the most of this life, to seize the days that we have and to seize this day, dear Lord, and help us to realize the power, God, that you can work through just a vapor. And we'll thank you, dear Lord, for that, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So he begins in these verses with the proposal. He says, go to now or go on. And, and what he's saying there is ye that would say this. Now, well, there's an attitude in this passage and there's a, there's a good outline I'll give you that Adrian Rogers give. I'll just give it to you quickly. He said in these passages, we have an attitude that we should never take. An attitude that we should never take. There's an assumption that we should never make. And that there's an activity that we should never forsake. And, uh, and I'll give you that, but then I'll give you these other words. He says an attitude that we should never take. And that's this. In verse 13, you find a man that is saying, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. What we read about between uh, James 4.13 and Luke 12, we're reading about a businessman. In fact, we're reading about a man that's doing really, not necessarily doing anything wrong. This man is planning. Did you know the Bible says we ought to plan? God instructs us to plan. God uh, instructs us to be prepared with the things that we're going to do in the future. Uh, he's going to make money. He's going with a big business, advent, business venture and perhaps an adventure. Uh, but uh, listen, nothing wrong with those things. These are the things these, these men are doing that's related in these passages. There's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. The problem is the attitude that they have. Because they have an attitude of self-sufficiency. And the thing that we need to be careful of is boasting about what we're going to do. What are you planning? Well, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, because the fact of the matter is, we know not what shall be on the morrow. Amen? And just like the man that Jesus gave in the parable there in Luke 12, he says, thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. He said, this man wasn't even going to see tomorrow, but he was boasting about a year from now. And now again, remember, that's a good, we, we plan. But the problem is, is that with these men and the example that's being given is people that are making plans without taking God into account. That's the problem. You get down into these passages and, and what does he say there in verse number 15? For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. So if it's the Lord's will. Now, I don't know about y'all in this part of the country, uh, but where I come from, it's a real common thing to where uh, there, I know a lot of people that they will not say anything they're going to do without adding something. Yeah. Lord willing. 
Amen. Folks do that around here some. I've heard this around here. Uh, good Lord willing in the creek don't rise, right? Uh, you know what? And that, that's, what these, that's what the Bible is instructing us, the attitude that we ought to take. We need to plan. We need to prepare. We need to plan for success. This man in Luke 12, he was a wheeler dealer. No doubt he had already looked ahead to this city. And he knew that it was a city. Uh, or I'm sorry, the, the man in James, he knew this was a city that was bustling. He knew this was the perfect place to go and buy and sell and to do whatever business he was doing. That's all well and good. But the problem was he was not taking God into account. He was not taking God into account. See, these are common plans. But making plans without any reference to God was the problem. It wasn't what he did, but the way he did it. It wasn't what he did, but what he didn't do in his planning. So... It's interesting because the Lord searches the hearts of these men. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because with the man in Luke 12, Jesus tells us what he's saying to himself. Always know this, God searches our hearts and know that, that which we're saying to ourselves. In other words, that what we are thinking, that what we are rehearsing in our minds. The Lord is searching this man's heart. And, and I really want to give you the overview of this and then kind of narrow it down to one particular part about what is your life and about a vapor. But th- this man I want to look at first of all made three common mistakes, the man in Luke 12. The man like as being referred to in 4.13 of the book of James. James. Number one, a common mistake that he, uh, that he made was this. He mistook his bank book for his Bible. <laughs> in other words, he judged his success by what he read in his checkbook rather than what he read in the Bible. He thought, man, you know what? This looks good, so I'm good. Amen. Financial success doesn't necessarily mean that you're successful. Amen. Uh, there's more to life than just being financially successful. There's many, uh, many men that have made it that will tell you that they wish they had invested more into their families and into their lives and into things of this nature. Um, but he mistook his bank book for his Bible. Number two, he mistook his body for his soul. The man in Luke 12 said, soul Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But there's something wrong with that. What's a mistake he made there? He mistook his body for his soul. See, a soul has no use for barns and bumper crops. That doesn't do the soul any good. It does the body good. And it does us physically good. But he's saying, he's saying my soul. But he's mixing these t- things up. He's very confused. He has very confused ideas about his body needs and his soul needs. See, there's a lot of times we think that if we can meet certain desires and senses and, and, and lust or whatever it may be of our five senses, that we will be satisfied. But what we find out is those things, there's things that may satisfy the body, but how many of you know that's temporal? But the things that satisfy the soul are enduring. And the, the great thing about things that satisfy the soul is that it's, it's things that money can't buy. Now, it doesn't mean they don't cost anything. 
Because they may cost some sacrifice. They may cost some commitment. But as far as financially speaking, it's not like it costs. But this man mistook his body for his soul. And isn't that a sad thing? It's a common thing. There's people out there that just think that if they can get a little bit more money, make a little bit more money, get a little bit more success, then they will have the contentment that they're seeking in their soul. But you cannot get true contentment in your soul by having by, by, by possessions. Amen. It just doesn't happen. You know, I think it was they asked Rockefeller one time, "What does it make? Uh, what does it take to make a billionaire happy?" And he just said, "Just one more dollar." Ain't that right? Just one more dollar. Somebody may say, "Just one more party, and that'll do it." One more wild night, and maybe then one more one more gamble. You know. One more pull of the arm. One more roll of the dice. But what we find is time and time again, we come up empty in our souls. So this man mistook his body needs for his soul needs. And then, uh, then lastly, he mistook time for eternity. He said this, Soul, thou hast many years. Thou hast many years. The Bible says this in the book of Proverbs. He says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a may, what a day may bring forth. So there's an attitude that we should never take. There's an assumption that we should not make. Folks, we do not know for sure if we have tomorrow. It's no guarantee. Again, we need to plan for it. We need to be prepared uh, and so forth. Uh, I, I say this and I encourage, I encourage this. We have, a, the, the, we have a financial advisor in the church. And you know what? That's wise to sit down with the financial advisor. It's wise to sit down and make plans for the future. Uh, but we do that, Lord willing. Amen? I'm making this investment. And if the Lord wills, when I get to this age or that age or what have you, then I'll have this. Uh, and so, uh, and, and that's all well and good, but it's keeping that in mind. And so uh, when we think about our hidden future, only God knows our future. Um, uh, and, 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 and I'll say more about that in just, just a moment. But one of the things that sets the Bible, by the way, apart from all other books, is its ability to accurately predict the future. Folks, the thing that sets the Bible apart from the Quran or the Book of Mormon or uh, any other uh, quote-unquote sacred book is the Bible dares prophesy. The Bible is absolutely, the Bible, the, the Bible says about itself that it is the spirit of prophecy. It prophesies about things, many things that have already happened and many things that are yet to come. There's prophecies about the Lord's birth and the, the, odds, the odds of, uh, um, you know, even just taking, I think, what was it, five or six of the direct, distinct prophecies about the Lord's birth coming to coming together and being fulfilled in one person, the odds of that happening uh, would be like covering the state of Texas like a foot deep with silver dollars and going, and going first try and picking one that has a red dot out of there. I mean, just something ridiculous for those prophecies to be fulfilled. The point of that is, there's, I love the way the songwriter says it, I don't know what tomorrow holds, amen? But I know who holds tomorrow, <laughs> And I know who holds my hand. So as a child of God, as we go through this life, we don't know what the future holds, but my God knows what the future holds. By the way, some of us need to learn to quit borrowing from tomorrow. 
What do we borrow from tomorrow? We borrow troubles from tomorrow. We borrow problems from tomorrow. What do we call it? Worrying. (laughs) And that's exactly what Jesus said. He said, for tomorrow shall take take, uh, care of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We don't need to borrow tomorrow's troubles. Do you not have enough today to deal with? Why do you want to borrow tomorrow's problems? Amen? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, You're you're just compounding that. But we just need to trust God with our future. And so, a good outline of these verses is there's an attitude that we should never take. There's an assumption we should never make. You do not know that you have tomorrow. We don't know if we've got tonight. And then lastly, there's an activity that we should never forsake. Look at the context of this verse. Go all the way down to verse number 17. The Bible says, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, what's that got to do with anything? See, by the way, that talks about the sin of omission. And, uh, and again, I'm just trying to give you the context that I want to narrow in on one particular part. But this talks about what's called the sin of omission. In other words, omitting something. See, people get so caught up in the sins that either they are committing, uh, but they sometimes, for, or someone else is committing, but sometimes we forget about the things that are sin because we omit them. Did you know that the sin of omission is a matter of heaven and hell? Jesus said in John 3.18, He said, He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So what exactly does a person need to do to be condemned? Nothing. Nothing. I've never killed anybody. I've never done this. I've never done the other thing. Well, it's not about what you haven't done. It's not about what you say you haven't done. But let me ask you this. Have you ever believed on Him? I didn't say that you believe there's a God or you believe that. Uh, but, but, but from your heart, have you put your faith, your trust, your reliance in Him? That's what we must do. There's nothing a person must do to be condemned. The Bible says they're condemned already. That's the matter of the sin of omission. But let's take this further into the, to the context. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. There's something else he's saying. Whatever it is you need to do, do it today. You know one of the real common things that people will do? People will hear the gospel message and they know they need to get saved. They've heard the gospel message. They've understood the gospel message. And they think, you know what? That's a great message. I think next week. Next week will be the week that I call on the Lord. You don't know that you have next week. In other words, do it today. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, do it today and do it not to him it is sin. And I think this way. Not only is it a sin against God, but it's a sin against your own self, is it not? Listen, if you have somebody you want to talk to about Christ, he's saying here, do it. Don't put it off. If 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 you knew today was your last day alive, is there someone you would want to call? Is there someone in your life that you would want to communicate something to? You know what I would encourage you to do? Do it. How many of you have ever felt like you've been really close to death? How many of you feel like you've had some near-death experiences? Anybody? 
Hey Amen. There's a few of you. There's a few of you that just about died. And you say, and, and, and there's many people like that that think, man, I don't think I was ever as close to death as when I was somersaulting across concrete after driving and slipping on a motorcycle or what, you know, not didn't slip on a motorcycle, driving a motorcycle, slipping on a, or whatever it may have been, been in a car accident or, or, or had some kind of health scare. Man, I don't think I was ever as close to death as I was that day. I got, good, I got news for you. You're closer to death right now than you were then. You're closer to death right now, Ralph, than you were then. He said, no, no, I was, I mean, I, I was dead, man. I was gone. Yeah, but, uh, but you survived, amen? And you are closer to death now than you have ever been. All right, so, uh, so the, the point is this. Whatever it is you need to do, do it. To him that knoweth to do good, he said, do it today. And do it that not, to him it is sin. Man, I'm thinking about helping out some missionary, you know, and, 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 and I could do it now, but I think I'm just going to wait till later. No, do it now. Do it now, amen? I mean, whatever it is, I'm thinking about surrendering to preach. I'm thinking about surrendering to the mission field. I'm thinking about volunteering to do and helping this ministry in the church or whatever. But I'll just wait. I'll wait a little longer. No, 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 no. Do it now. Do it now. For what is your life, he says. Let's, let's go there, verse number 14. The Bible says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. So after doing an overview of these verses, I want to narrow in on verse number 14. What is your life? And we see our human frailty here. Our life is like a vapor. It's like steam rising from boiling water. Anybody ever seen that? Steam just comes up and it just kind of is there for a moment and then it's gone. No matter how long we live, that's kind of how our lives are. We're just here for a moment. Just like a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. It dances for a moment and then vanishes into thin air. And this illustration sets before us a graphic picture of three things I want to give you here quickly. Number one, a transient life. A transient life. In other words, a brief life. A passing life. Life is life at best is very brief. Like the falling leaf. Like the binding of a sheaf. We are here today and we're gone tomorrow. And often we're soon forgotten. I mean, a transient life. The Bible says in Psalm 90, verse 9, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Verse 12 of Psalm 90 says, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days. I'm reminded of the sinner's dream in which he saw himself clinging to a rope over a river. He had ventured out on the rope to escape a tiger. Looking down, however, he could see a crocodile lurking in the river below. <laughs> Told you it was an encouraging message. And there, gnawing at the rope, was a rat. So he escapes the tiger, gets out onto a rope, 
But then he looks down and sees a crocodile down in the river. And then he looks up and there's a rat just gnawing slowly away on the rope that he's hanging on to. The rope was his present situation. Representing a temporary reprieve. The crocodile stood for his future and the rat was time gnawing away at his life. <laughs> we all arrive on earth with a figurative hourglass. You ever seen an hourglass? You know what I thought about the other day? This is not an hourglass. This is a minute glass. Uh, but I remember when I was younger, were hourglasses more common? You know, I mean, and I know some of you back, you know, your watches were sundials and maybe you can identify, but I don't, I, I don't see these as much in the auction, like the real hourglasses and I kind of want one, um, but an hourglass, but listen, there's an interesting thought when we think about this, this, this minute glass or two minute glass, whatever it may be, this hourglass, if we'll just call it that we all arrive on earth with a figurative hourglass over our heads. Now, none of us can see our hourglass, and we can't see anybody else's hourglass. But God, figuratively speaking, every one of us are going around with one of these suckers hanging over our head. You say, is that biblical? No, I'm just making an illustration. I mean, the thing that's biblical is that we know that there is a time appointed. The Bible says, as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. There's a time for death. Man, mine just ran out. Woo! Okay. Try it again. All right. Um, a figurative hourglass over our heads. We cannot see it, but God can. The sand runs down day and night. Relentlessly, continually, as our moments speed by. We do not know how much sand is still left in our glass. All we know is that it's less now than it was when we started the service this morning. There's less sand. Time has gone off your life. Isn't this encouraging? <laughs> All we know is that it's less now than when we arrived at church this morning. Ours is a transient life. It's the vapor in the air. And so one of the messages about the vapor is that vapor teaches us that time is running out. We have a temporary life. We have a transient life from the youngest of us to the oldest. We don't know. Just like that. I'm going to put that over your head, Murray. There it is. Ticking away. Dropping away. The little sand. You say, you shouldn't do that. Well, he needs to know, don't he? You got an hourglass over you, buddy. We all do. Amen? It's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment, the Bible says. But, there's, but the good news is I'm not done, alright? So one message of the uh, vapor, of the steam, is that life is transient. Number two, the second message of the vapor is this. Uh, a transformed life. Now think about this for a moment. What is a vapor? We call it steam. We don't use vapor that much anymore. In chemical composition, steam or a vapor is H2O. It's water. That's what, it's, that's what it really is. In chemical composition, it's H2O. However, it is water, the nature and behavior of which has been changed. 
Oh, and this is a cool thing when you think about it. Water always, if we spilt water up here today, where would it go? It would go down. No matter what, water always tries to go down. Uh, water succumbs to a downward pull. Water always seeks the lowest level. Steam, on the other hand, soars to its highest level. Water gravitates toward the sea. Vapor rises to the sky. Water has its place on earth. It belongs ultimately in the sea. Vapor has its seat in the heavenlies. It belongs ultimately to the clouds. So it's transformed. Water, steam is just like any other water except it's been transformed. There's, a, there's something different about it. it. Instead of falling, it's rising. And I want to tell you something, child of God. Your life can be like a vapor. It's not necessarily all negative. Because you know what? It can be that since your life has been transformed, your life is rising. You said, yeah, but not for long. Well, that's, uh, that's maybe not. But if you're saved by God's grace, the Bible says we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen? We have eternal life. See, what, what, what is it that seats vapors in the heavenlies? You ever wonder about that? What, what is it, some of you know, what is it that draws vapor up? It's the sun. See, it draws the water to itself and it seats it on high. Not all water responds to the pulling power of the sun, but that which does dwells above. So it is with us. Some respond to the Son of God. And for those of us who respond to the Son of God, the Bible calls Him in Malachi 4 verse 2, the Son of Righteousness. Listen, we are elevated. Amen. We are lifted up. We are living differently. Amen. We are no longer going to gravitate toward the lowest possible point. Man, hallelujah. God has lifted up our lives on high. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad for a transformed life? I mean, listen, because it's not in me, it's in the Son. Amen? And it's my nature responding to the nature of the Son of God that's lifting and drawing me up. So there's a transformed life. That's another message of the vapor. But I want to give you the last message of the vapor. So we see it's a transient life. In other words, it means that that time, that sand is just taken away. It's a vapor. It's only here for a little while. But it is transformed and it is rising. But lastly, it pictures a triumphant life. A triumphant life. The idea for the steam engine. Now, if you know much about history, you understand as far as especially more modern history and history around the Industrial Revolution, one of the things you'll know is that the steam engine absolutely transformed the world. But the idea for the steam engine was born when a thoughtful scientist observed an iron pot which was sitting on the fire. It was full of water sitting on the fire. As the temperature began to increase, the heavy iron lid on the pot began to rise. And the scientist observed that this allowed steam to escape. Now, Millions of other people had observed this same phenomenon. 
But this scientist carried the observation further. He concluded that as weak and unsubstantial and vaporous steam was, it must possess considerable power to lift that heavy iron lid. Then it occurred to him that if steam or vapor could be contained and channeled properly, it could be put to work. In time, steam was used to push pistons, which in turn were harnessed to wheels. In turn was harnessed to wheels? Play on words. Okay. Uh, All kinds of devices were invented. Some were set to work to pull trains along tracks. Others were made to drive the engines of the Industrial Revolution. Feats long, it thought, feats long impossible to men became everyday events. Factories sprang up all over the world. Men had learned how to put uh, vapor to work. It simply needed to be channeled. Our life, your life is like a vapor. See, our lives can be dissipated. Our lives can be wasted. Our lives can be allowed to drift like the vapor in the air until we vanish away and aren't even really missed. Or we can be changed and we can be channeled and our vapor, our steam can accomplish great things for Almighty God. Just as that steam channeled, harnessed, put into use. My friend, that's, that's people like the Apostle Paul. That's people, listen, quite honestly, that's people like your mother. There are people, there's people that have allowed their lives to be harnessed and used by God in this simple, weak, uh, passing away of life leaves an impact, produces power, produces power that makes a difference in their communities, makes a difference in their state, in their country, uh, in their family, whatever the case may be, in their church. Listen, hallelujah, if you'll give your life to Jesus, He will channel and He can use our life to make a difference that will impact generations to come. Amen. Amen. Ain't that good? I told you it was going to get good. Yes, it can just be wasted. Sadly, people waste their lives, don't they? People look at their lives, they look at their frailty, and they think to themselves, I could never make a difference. I'm just a little bit of steam. But when put in the proper conditions and channeled properly, there's power there. And let me tell you something today, there's power in your life. Your life can be so powerful. And you say, oh, well, I don't think I'll ever be known statewide, worldwide, or anything like that. I don't think I'll ever be a YouTube sensation or something of that nature. Well, you don't need to be. You know what you need to do? You need to impact that little girl right there you're holding. Amen? Amen. And that little boy. I mean, listen, you think, I, I, think, uh, I think years ago I, I heard a story, and I wish I could remember the, 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 the man's name, but I know that he was, uh, he, he and his mom, they got caught out into a, in, in, a, in a horrible uh, blizzard 
freezing. They got lost. And he was just a little guy. And so what the mom did is she took off her coat and everything she could spare and she wrapped her little boy up and she laid on top of him. They, they, she could not find any shelter, could not find their way out of this blizzard. Later on, they were found and the mom was, was on top of this little boy. But when they moved her cold, dead corpse, underneath was that little boy that survived. And that little boy later became the Prime Minister of England. I mean, listen, I mean, you talk about making a difference. And so sometimes it may not seem like a big difference, but I'm telling you, since every soul and every life is worth more than this whole world, every life that we impact makes a difference. Amen? Don't ever feel like you're not making a significant impact if you're letting God use your life. Amen? Put your life in God's hands. Let's all stand, please, and we'll be dismissed. I ask you this morning, I ask you this morning, going back to the earlier part of that message, are you like the rich man or like that, 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 that wheeler dealer man? Are you making some of the mistakes that he's making? The one that really stood out to me is this one. Are you mistaking your soul for your body? Are you still doing that? And you think about it, that's what people do. See, even in religion, people get involved in religious activities. And they're trying to satisfy their soul. But see, religion is just all about our works and what we can do. It's about outward stuff. It doesn't satisfy the soul. Jesus satisfies the soul. Amen? Some of us know what it is to try to seek for pleasure in drink and drug and, and partying and things like that. What are we trying to do? We're trying to satisfy the soul by satisfying the body. But what we find out time after time is we keep coming up empty. There's people making more money than they've ever made. But yet they still are empty. They're still wanting. You know why? Because there's only one thing that one person that will really satisfy the soul. And that's Christ. Amen. And that's the things of God and the things of the Spirit. So if you don't know Christ today, I invite you to come to Him. Don't let your life dissipate. Don't waste your life. Put your life in God's hands. Do God's will. Do whatever it is that God's called you to do. Say, Lord, here am I. Use my life. Channel me. Channel me for what you'd have me to do. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, dear Lord, for this message. The message in the vapor. The sermon in the steam. I wish I'd thought of that. But God, I just pray, dear Lord, this morning that you'd help us to get it. Help me to get it. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. God, help me to do right today. I don't have a guarantee for tomorrow. I don't have a guarantee for later today. If there's anybody here today unsaved, I pray, God, that they'll surrender their lives that they'll bow their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ and they'll trust you as their Savior today. God, for those that are saved, God, help us, God, to realize, no, we don't have maybe a lot. Maybe our lives are weak. Maybe our lives seem not that significant, just like steam. But when harnessed, when channeled, accomplishes great things. Has there been a time in your life when you've bowed your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Has there been a time in your life where you've received Jesus Christ into your life as Lord and Savior? If not, do it today. Do you know Jesus personally? If you don't, you can pray to Him today. And you can ask Him to call, come into your life. You can call on Jesus. You can turn to Him. You can ask Him to forgive you of your sins. And acknowledge Him as the Lord of your life. And He'll do that. He'll save you today. He's a good Savior. He paid a great, great price for you on the cross. He rose again to make sure you had the opportunity to be saved. Will you please take advantage of that if you're not saved? If you are saved, would you be willing to surrender? Dear Lord, help us to make the most of our lives. God, that hourglass, God, that sand has just fallen over our heads. and We don't know how much time we have left, but God, soon that last grain of sand is going to fall down through the bottom and time's going to be up. And I want to be able to say that I've done my best for you. I want to be able to say, God, that I've let you use my life. God, I pray that we'll all be able to say that. God, you know I can sure squander and I can waste. Help me, dear Lord God, to recognize and make the most.